This is Ed McMahon. And now, here's Armstrong and Getty. Live from Studio C. Hey, Sandy. Our brand new week. And today on a Monday, we're under the tutelage of our general manager, Bob Woodward's reporting. And fabulous, fabulous guest at 8 o'clock, Greg Lukianoff, one of my favorite writers and thinkers around. So Woodward's book doesn't come out until tomorrow, right? God, I can't wait to read the bang thing. Yeah, correct. I want to get into it. Yep. We had a couple of interviews over the weekend. We'll play uh, clips for you. Most interesting thing he said... He would not have published that op-ed piece. He thinks that's crap journalism. I thought that was interesting. Bob Woodward against the uh, New York Times op-ed. Yeah, it's funny. I heard the uh, MSNBCers blasting it today. I mean, blasting it, blasting it. After a weekend of seeing a bunch of interviews, I'm 100% convinced you can't do that. You can't run a piece like that. Mm. you got to tell the person, sure, absolutely we'll print that. But you got to put your name on it. Right. Without it, it's like a game. It's like playing some sort of game. We're not in the game business. We're in the journalism business. Well, it's another sign of the slide of American journalism, honestly. Um, and, and there seems to be almost agreement on that, mm-hmm. left and right. Yeah. But I am ready. Thinks, ready. Here's the headline, Jack. Enough of your chit-chat. Here's the headline. I'm ready to disclose who wrote it. And it's <laughs> thought, different than the last time I disclosed yeah, it. I thought you disclosed that Friday. <laughs> well, yeah. this is a re-disclosure. <laughs> I think that whoever it is is in a bad position now because they're going to come out and people are going to say, well, you wouldn't know that and you wouldn't know that. (laughs) I just need to make a slight edit of my disclosure. I only need to change two words. Okay. The first name and the last name. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Let's kick off the show by introducing everybody in the squad. There's our board operator, Michelangelo, pressing buttons, flipping toggles, pulling levers. How are you this morning, Mike? Good. Yesterday was the uh, opening Sunday for NFL. And I I completely forgot that it had happened. But how did it go? Oh, I spent the usual, you know, what I do every year. I go around looking for NFL copyright infringement. I go from house to house (laughs) looking. So You're a stickler for that. I'm a stickler for that. But, yeah, I thought I wouldn't watch any football. But, unfortunately, once I saw it on the TV, I got hooked. And then the next thing I know. Well, good. I want somebody around here to be watching it. It's the most. It's the number one show in America, so somebody should be watching it. I'm not going to. The ratings for the opening game of the season were down 8% from last year, and last year was down 16% from the year before. Mm. So the wow. slide apparently hasn't stopped. Well, you know, it could just be the game. Thursday night was kind of an East Coast thing, So, but the ratings will be in maybe while we're on the air this morning for the opening weekend. And if they're down you know, close to double digits, the NFL continues to be in big trouble. Would you like to hear my diary? My NFL diary? Friday. I'm not watching that crap. Saturday. I might DVR it, but I probably won't watch it. Sunday. Wins kickoff. <laughs> really? Like a junkie. <laughs> crawling back to the gridiron for a hit of color and violence and excitement and tribalism. There I was. Well, good. I think you should watch it. Although I intentionally didn't enjoy it. There you go. That's where I am. How much kneeling was there across the country? I two did, players. Two in players, the whole country? In the whole country. Uh, I think Trump better of. tweet about it. Yep. Wow. Better tweet it and make it happen more. Well, the, the, Speaking it, of tribalism. Anybody who's talking about that today, then, is just wanting to have conflict. Right. Because that's a nothing. It's over. 
Uh, there's Positive Sean, whose smile lights up the room. How are you, Sean? Doing very well. A little bit disappointed that I was not uh, in the same place as they, a rare sighting of a superpod of dolphins off the coast of California. Oh, yeah. Dolphins totaling nearly a 1,000 in numbers were hunting wow. bait fish off the coast. And uh, one of the Monterey Bay Aquarium employees described it as a dolphin burning man. <laughs> I'm not sure there was any need to describe it that way. But it sounds about like a an aquarium employee. A thousand Hilarious. dolphins in one spot. That's there's, spectacular. There's video of it too, and then just, they're just yeah. all jumping oh. up and out. You see all the dorsal fins and the bottom nose. Show and, that to my kids. I have been privileged to see knowledge. a giant pod of dolphins in action <laughs> uh, in years past, and it's it's an amazing sight. Uh, there's Marshall Phillips, who does our news every day. How are you, Marshall? i got to tell you, I am uh, very excited. Had a very interesting weekend. My Christmas plans have indeed come together now. I am going to be spending Christmas in Woodstock, New York. There you go. I got an invitation, and I said, you know, I'm going to get me a plane ticket, and I'm going to see you there. Fantastic. By the time Marsh gets to Woodstock, <laughs> he'll be half a bottle in. And uh, I also have got a mysterious wound on my hand, Uh-oh. which I think I will have Hanson take a picture of, and we may post it so somebody can tell me what they think it is. You know, it's mysterious. You know, yeah. if, you, if you're a drinker and you wake up with wounds, that's a sign of something. Well, usually. It's, it's more like some kind of spider bite or something. You're, you're like Jimmy they Fallon look, or Ben Affleck. Huh. Yeah, isn't that weird? That is odd. It, it, you know, it looks like a vampire bite or Or you were attacked in your sleep. Or, did you, or perhaps you got in a fist fight in a blackout drunk. You don't know. That could very well be. <laughs> thank for you. instance. Thank you for that. Yes. <laughs> you don't know. Good uh, God. I'm Jack Armstrong. Jeez. He's Joe Getty. On this, it is Monday, September 10th. We have a September 10th mentality around here. Oh, boy. The year 2018. We're setting you straight in 21-8. We're Armstrong and Getty, and we approve of this program. Here we go. According to FCC rules and regulations, the show begins officially now at Mark. This one was in the belly of the beast. And what did you conclude about the beast? That people better wake up to what's going on. Wake up! Says Bob Wordworth. Wake up! Wake up! You know, Marshall, my uh, my son last week woke up with some sort of bite. And that's uh, always uh, dis- discomforting when you wake up with a bite and you don't know, was that a mosquito? Was that a spider? Yeah. <laughs> what the heck was that? Yeah. In my bed with yeah. me, yes. stalking me, and, hunting me. And is it still there for tonight? Right. Oh. What are our other headlines, Marshall? Well, the White House fighting fear today. The Me Too movement brings down yet another mogul. And Serena Williams, U.S. Open meltdown. Coming up minutes from now, Armstrong and Getty. Yeah, the biggest guy in movies got brought down by being a rapist, and allegedly. And now the biggest guy in television of the last decades. Yep. The same fate. For the same reason, perhaps. Yeah, wow. More on that later. How does mailbag look? Oh, it's terrific. Praise. Uh, creative, uh, what is it? Uh, criticism? Constructive criticism? Yeah, I, don't, I don't know that I need praise. That's not a good way to start the week for oh, me. Oh, it is. Good, you're a good boy. I need, good to be boy. In, I need to be in the corner. I need to be up against it, back against the wall to start the week. Wow, you got to have a chip on your shoulder. Absolutely. We had a lot of stuff to catch up on over the weekend. Uh, ben Sass, who a lot of you really love, gave an interesting interview. A couple of interviews over the weekend. We'll get into the uh, Nebraska senator. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show.
pretty good. Not so good. Awful. Worst weekend of your life. Best weekend of your life. Trying to cover all the bases here. Thank you. Best weekend or worst weekend of your life? Probably uh, Oof, Probably yes. not a lot of those people. That's a lot to ask and or fear. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. I gained uh, I gained weight over the weekend. So, you know. Fat! Yeah, me too. Got to try to uh, stay on top of that. A downward trend. I knew it was too good to be true, but you know, you knew what was too good to be true. That my downward trend. I mean, it was just too, too much, too fast, too great, too successful. Especially considering my slight lack of discipline after dinner time when it comes to the grape. It's oh, mine. Mine is the fourth meal, man. If, if I could just eliminate that fourth meal, oh man, that before I go to bed meal, <laughs> that, uh, that bowl of cereal, that that whatever. That's the tough one. Uh, mailbag. Woo-hoo! I should have my wife put like a Hannibal Lecter mat, like a chastity belt for your mouth. Yes. That she has the key to after dinner, and then I'm not allowed to eat again until the next day. Seems perfectly reasonable. Uh, let's start off with our weekly shower thoughts assembled by, uh, assembled by Rich in Salt Lake City. I forgot to highlight them, so <clears throat> I'll scan them briefly to come up with the pithiest and most amusing. Grandmothers used to share old wives' tales. Now they share fake news on social media. Oh, yeah, similar thing. Hmm. Let's see. Uh, alphabet soup in China has to be insane. <laughs> I don't know how that works. That just sounds like uh, some sort of anti-foreigner belligerence. That's what that sounds like. Your accent... Is your mouth's font. That's pretty good. That's, that sounds like something you'd see in the New Yorker. Mm-hmm. It's very sophisticated. Thank you for that contribution. Uh, commuters probably get stuck in traffic with roughly the same group of people every day, just in a different order. You would think so. You would think there would be social groups. I go to work at precisely the same time every day. I think a lot of people do, don't they? Yeah, I do see the same vehicles uh, you know, fair regularity, which is, you know, notable as I live in a large metropolitan area and, and commute mostly on a superhighway. I'm too busy looking at my smartphone to notice the cars around me. Same CHP motorcycle guy mm. zooms by me at like 83 miles per hour. Um, uh, you know, at least kids, one day a week. Kids going to school are absolutely <laughs> going at the same time on the same road every single day. You would think there'd be more of a we all wave to each other culture. Hey, Jim, hope you have a good week. Hey, aggressive driving pickup guy. Good to see you. Go get to that job site, dude. <laughs> Chinese tourists to the U.S. are buying souvenirs made in their own country. Yeah. <laughs> That's something. Uh, let's see. That'd take too long to go through. If there are any more good ones, I'll hit you with them later. <clears throat> enjoy listening to you. Uh, enjoy every morning with you, writes uh, Paul in beautiful Corvallis, Oregon. A uh, friend, uh, the son of a friend, is, is just starting school at Oregon State. I love Corvallis. It's a very pleasant town. I like college towns in general. There's an energy about them, mm-hmm. you know? I do, too. I've always liked college Lots towns. of bands coming through, indie bands and arts and that sort of thing. People who aren't worn down to a nub by life. Right. <laughs> too many liberals in college towns, but I overlook it. <clears throat> because See, I'm I... worn down to a nub by life. <laughs> because I... Let's, uh, uh, he works, uh, listens on a battery-powered radio. Uh, therefore, uh, he, he describes how he can't let the battery run down because of the nature of his job. 
So, um, therefore, I've become an expert on finding content, and you guys have the most content per minute of any radio show. Or better, the most content per second. Boy, that's perfect for the go-go 21st century. Huh. I have to be careful not to turn off the radio for too long and miss something, because you seem to have fewer and shorter ads. Oh, yeah, we take breaks, we're back in seconds. (laughs) (coughs) I've never thought about that. Do you think we have more content than the average radio show? Oh, clearly. But, hmm. Now my my dad has talked Maybe about new content. My dad has we're very restless. Talked about other talk radio shows, and some of them are among the most successful in America. But they'll do you know three four hours on the same topic. Yeah, which we we rarely do anything like that. Yeah, we don't have the uh, power of concentration. Right, it's it's a flaw really. Short attention span. Uh, anyway, uh, thank you, Paul. He he goes on to say some more nice things. Very nice to hear from you. Next time I'm up there in Corvallis, maybe you, uh, you know, we'll have a have a little uh, drinky poo or something. Let's see. Uh, oh, it's uh, Chuck in San Diego. I love the show. Been a fag for a few years now. Heard your discussion on the use of the OK sign to mean I'm a white supremacist or how the left was punked. Absolutely hilarious. Oh, we had another person really suggest strongly that we book that that gal who gave the AOK sign, and then the 4chan trolls convinced a bunch of the mainstream media that was a white supremacist sign. Uh, anyway, uh, watching uh, some of the clips, uh, I see not only is uh, Cory Booker Spart- Spartacus, he is a white supremacist. Also, look at that, making a familiar sign with his left hand while speaking. It's a little small for you to see there, Jack, but Cory Booker is clearly making the white supremacist sign. And think about it. What perfect cover to be a white supremacist as a black man. Is this going to be a better week or an easier week with no Supreme Court hearings and I assume no anonymous essays? You would think the MSM is so obsessed with uh, parsing the Woodward book that it might be a little smoother sailing, but I don't know. I never know. In fact, really, anybody you predict some sort of placid week is probably a fool. Mm. Uh, let's see. Oh, uh, let's see. Speaking of memes and uh, pictures and online, thank you to who is this? Uh, Maureen sent this along. Uh, everybody's trying their hand at this. Uh, it's uh, a parody of the Colin Kaepernick Nike ad. It's Hillary bent over a keyboard. It says, delete everything, even if it means losing everything. Hot Nike, just delete it. <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. Totally different topic here. Justin, Roseville, California. Can we get a petition that's going to have Apple stop forcing holidays upon us? There's so many automatic holidays on my iPhone iPhone calendar. Apparently today is Rosh Hashanah. I'm guessing it's Jewish. Yes, it is, sir. I had this very complaint in my own head the other day. Every time I look at my damn calendar to check the week and I see a little dot on a day, oh, I must have a meeting that day. It's some holiday I've never heard of for some religion I barely know exists. Is there any way to delete all that? Or is Apple so intent on showing showing how multicultural they are that we all have to have 50 different obscure holidays on our phone? It's really annoying. Uh, It's not helpful to the use of the calendar, I'll tell you that. Today is Rosh Hashanah. Last month was Eid al-Adha. In June, we had Eid al-Fatr and Juneteenth, whatever that is. I happen to know what that is. But here's the thing. If I celebrate these holidays, then I don't need Apple to remind me of them. And if I don't celebrate these holidays, I don't want them to automatically show up in my calendar. Very good point. You don't need to put a dot on December 25th. I, I will not miss Christmas, even without 
being reminded by the calendar. Anyway, really looking forward to Indigenous Peoples Day next month, October 8th. Check your calendar. Yeah. Apple, stop it. Stop or, it. Or at least give us the option to opt out of all you all your reminding us of your virtue signaling. Yeah, no kidding. Shouldn't there be a toggle or a switch Obviously. or something? I'm a Zoroastrian. Hit me with, you know, whatever, uh, uh, Spring Worship Day or whatever those uh, those people do. You got to be able to choose that. I don't need to know it's every Muslim holiday. Frankly, I don't care. That's not because I'm some sort of lunatic or white nationalist or white supremacist. You know what I am? I realized this uh, over the weekend. I'm a white mediocritist, not a white supremacist, a white mediocritist. I long for white people to be rich, except those who are middle class and some poor people is fine. I think white people are smart, except the dumb ones. They're dumb, clearly. I think white people should have power, except the powerless white people, and there are plenty of powerless white people. I'm a proud white mediocritist. Did Serena Williams get screwed by a sexist judge? We'll spend an entire hour on that. Probably Uh, the entire 8 o'clock hour. Yeah, absolutely. We've got former tennis judges in. And we'll take your calls. Exactly. Right. And then finally this. Here's a really nice note from uh, Hank, who's been a correspondent through the years. Uh, Sent a couple of gifts, etc., uh, he's been a, a great texter. Been listening for a very since the day one. Fagsdo, friend of Armstrong and Getty since day one. I'm always amazed by people that uh, fit that category. Yeah, but at this point, he says, "I want to thank you. I now do stand-up comedy and landed a job as a radio show host in local area <laughs> where he lives." All the years of listening to you guys helped me and inspired me to do it. I always hoped someday to meet you guys and say thanks. Well, that'd be fine. We'd be happy to. The other day when you talked about your anniversary on air, I thought about what a part of uh, uh, my life you guys have been. So many others. Well, that's nice of you to say. So we've ruined his life. We've gotten him into radio. I got a picture of him doing his thing there. I'm going to tune him in. I'll bet I could uh, stream it online. Not sure when his shift is. Oh, there it is. Okay. Yeah. Oh, he's got the podcast thing all hooked up and high tech. Super. Thanks, Hank. Good luck, dude. Will the anonymous writer be outed by the New York Times? He has to be, according to some legal scholars. No, oh, no, So no, stay no. tuned for that. Did you follow the Serena Williams thing? I don't watch a lot of We don't talk or watch a lot of women's tennis. I, I did. I became aware of it um, through the voice of someone who was truly mortally outraged by the whole thing and thought, oh, my God, and then dug into it and thought, hmm. It does seem like, from everything I've read, that... Coaches regularly give various signals to players, and that's just always happens. And for some reason, this time, guy tried to decided to make a deal out of it. But who knows? Well, I have very little information, but I will form a strong opinion because that's what <laughs> right. talk show hosts do. Marshall's news next on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Go to calendars in your iPhone and deselect U.S. holidays. Yeah. Okay, I went there. Stupid idiots. I don't see that option on my phone. Jackasses. I I don't update my uh, operating system ever, so maybe it's a new thing. I don't know. Why has the entire world started to sound like a uh, a, a New York deli owner on a bad day? (laughs) Everybody, hey, stupid, what do you want? (laughs) Right. Some salami. How much, idiot? (laughs) You, nobody ever says, hey, I just heard you talking about this. Here's something you might not have known. You can right. just go into calendars and do... No, you freaking moron! Anybody who doesn't know every <laughs> single trick and technique connected to a device is an effing idiot. I'd like to smash your head! 
<laughs> Welcome to 2018. <laughs> Let's get the news now, Marshall Phillips. Well, Bob Woodward's latest White House tell-all called Fear is going on sale tomorrow, and he's on the interview trail. He's I start- think because we're on the West Coast, I can start reading it at 9 o'clock tonight. Because it'll be available at midnight oh, East yeah. Coast. There, there you go. go. There Do you go. know why it's called Fear, Marshall? I heard Bob Woodward explain that. Go ahead. Because Trump was explaining that true power, and I hate to use this word, Uh that's a quote from Donald Trump, true power is fear. Yep. Wants people to fear him. Interesting. Woodward on the CBS Sunday Morning Show is talking about some of the things in the book, like why staffers told him they would take certain documents off the president's desk. So he wouldn't sign them because they realized that this would endanger uh, the country how do they get away with that? He doesn't remember if it's not on his desk, if it's not immediately available for action. It goes away. He's wrong, and uh, my reporting is uh, meticulous and careful. Yeah, he went through that. He said, right. he said, for instance, I had one source I interviewed nine times. I have 800 pages of notes. Right. Mm. Right. Um, uh, and, and, he, and he went through uh, the hundred-some people he talked to, half of them in senior positions. Mm-hmm. And he's got all the notes and documents re- re- relaying dates and times to everything he's talking about. Right. On the other hand, um, and, and, and my memory is of reading all these Woodward books, I don't remember him ever really being outed as getting anything wrong. Anybody ever proving he got something wrong. On the other hand, Chris Christie was on Stephanopoulos yesterday and said, Look, all I know is my part in the book is wrong. He didn't ask me. That didn't happen. So I don't know what to think about the rest of the book. Interesting. Yeah. Heard yeah. Woodward talking about, well, the, and I won't attempt to imitate him because it would take too long. For one thing, he's a real slow talker. Yes. Uh, he said, well, the Washington denial machine is all geared up and running now. It's the standard thing. Deny, deny, deny. Right. Yeah, I want to, he has been hit with this from the Obama administration, the Bush administration, everybody who's ever written a book about the Nixon administration, the Clinton administration. Right. Everybody who's ever written a book about says this exact same thing. Is it possible he just makes us up? <laughs> I thought it was damn interesting that Chris Christie said that, though. Chris Christie, you know, works pretty hard to flack for the president, but that'd be a, that'd be a pretty far to go to just out and out lie, claim something in the book didn't happen. No. So, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I can't wait to read it. Doing that. I can't wait to read it. Now, Vice President Pence was among those pushing back on the Woodward book and the Times op-ed piece. He did an interview with CBS's Margaret Brennan, and she asked if he thought anybody on his staff had anything to do with the piece. Pence first said, "Well, I just wouldn't know, and I'd really hope not." But then, after the interview wrapped, he said he wanted to clear up that statement. So they fired up the cameras once again. Mr. Vice President, I, I asked you earlier if anyone on your staff wrote this op-ed have you asked your staff oh well I, I thought you were speaking about the administration staff let me be very clear I'm 100 percent confident that no one on the vice president's staff was involved in this an anonymous editorial I, I, I know my people Margaret they get up every day and are dedicated just as much as I am to advancing the president's agenda and supporting everything that President Trump is doing for the people of this country. And so, you asked them. Well, I, you know, you know, honestly, I don't have to ask them because I know them. I know their character. I know their dedication. Pence going on to say whoever did write the op-ed piece should resign immediately. What well, a- I tell you who that's going to be, Marshall, because yeah, oh, I have right. figured out who it is. Indeed, 
With 100% con- Much like the vice president, I have 100% confidence. Yes. This is uh, one Matthew D. LaPlante, whose uh, work I was not familiar with, but he is yet another sleuth who's gone deep on this. And uh, the anonymous Trump administration official working to thwart the president's agenda with a writing assist from Ian Bremmer. Friend of the Armstrong and Getty Show, Ian Bremmer, and this guy goes in deep to identify why it looks like Bremmer's writing. The anonymous editorialist is none other than former presidential candidate and ambassador to Russia, John Huntsman. The Huntsman is writing. And he explains why. That would fit a little bit. I'd like to hear the explanation. That'd fit a little bit in that he seems like the kind of whiny, flaccid, I'll put out an anonymous piece because I don't have the freaking balls to walk out and do anything. You left out self-righteous. Self-righteous, same reason he didn't got, you know, a sniff when he tried to run for president. He's got no freaking spine. Mm. One of TV's most powerful executives, CBS Chief Les Moonves, is out hours after a second round of misconduct charges were made against him in another New Yorker magazine article. Man, he's really benefiting from Me Too fatigue because this is a big deal, mm-hmm. uh, but it's just it's not resounding the way so many of these right. much smaller fish have gotten so much new. You remember after Harvey Weinstein, every single person that came right. along got a full, like, 24, 48-hour news cycle of scrutiny. Right. Actors and actresses, you just you don't even care about. He's maybe the most powerful person in television in the last 20 years. Right. Run- Huge deal, and just because we've heard this so many times, yeah, okay, another one, whatever. What are the nature of the offenses? I'm kind of foggy on this one. Uh, he supposedly uh, was coming on way too strong to a number of women who worked for him, and basically it was a power it was a power thing, and they were afraid to resist or turn him down because they thought their careers would be in jeopardy. So did he actually force himself on anybody? Do yeah, that's have... what I read. Was he was forcing? Yeah, oral there's, sex. Oh, really? there's oh, a number. Really? There's a number of women. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, then he's a rapist. There's a number of women alleging just full on, you know, rape. Yeah. And plenty of women who uh, have the dots to connect to say, "I said no," and here's what and here's what happened to my career. Wow. Okay. So that kind. Of, wow. So multi layered. Perv exploiter of women. No wonder he quit without a golden parachute. Yep. Well, he they were working on a one hundred million dollar deal. Hundred million dollar buyout. That's been sidelined for now until CBS concludes its own internal investigation. So if he'd have taken the deal like a week ago, he'd have might have gotten a hundred million dollars. But more women came out, and now yes. I think CBS is thinking we don't. We're not going to. Why would we pay a rapist a hundred million dollars? Yeah. Hey, rapey, go to hell. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Enjoy. Enjoy your. Uh, tr- but so the biggest guy in all of Hollywood and the biggest guy in all of television yes. was oper- were operating like this. Does that mean the whole culture's like that? If you got the most powerful people in those two industries doing that, sure, certainly seemed like that way in Hollywood. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, combine that with the child molestations, all yeah. the child molesters who are casting uh, directors, which uh, we have on pretty good authorities was uh, authority was prevalent for years what i'd really like to know when this when the dust settles is were these people with those inclinations that rose to the top or did the power make their id run wild you know i'm not involved in the movie business jack but i've not only watched get shorty the movie but uh, i've watched uh, get shorty the tv show and the player (laughs) and other exciting hollywood insider dramas and i'm here to tell you being a psychopath 
would be a great asset in becoming a mogul in Hollywood. You got to be, in the words of Mick Jagger, tough, 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 tough. I mean, to the point of like not having a human soul. Hmm. There you go. That's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. Because if you let like decency and friendships yeah. get in the way, you wouldn't be able to rise up through the ranks. It'd trip you up. Now, that's not an absolute. There are plenty of decent human beings who do pretty well, but it's... I think Ron Howard's probably pretty nice. Sure. <laughs> right. For instance. But it is taking a risk. Right. Hmm. And also, Ron Howard, very famous name. Nowhere in the stratosphere of power and influence of guys like Harvey Weinstein and Les Moonves. Right. Especially True. in terms of the, the resources they could push behind any sort of right. counterattack. Ron Howard has to, you know beg for for his movies so interesting um so radio business unscathed by the way all of our moguls are squeaky clean high moral so decent far. so far i haven't heard anything or maybe nobody cares no radio is where all good people go that's right everybody knows that uh-huh. <laughs> So, the guy wrote the op-ed, and I certainly don't want to talk about this all day long, but I heard some interesting stuff about New York Times' obligation to out the dude. So, we'll get into that at some point. Listening to? What are you listening to? Write it down so you remember. This is the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. Miss Miss uh, which which contest was it last night? Miss USA, Miss America, <laughs> Miss America, Miss America. <sighs> who knows? Who cares? Right. Well, right. But that's my point. Um, that's another example. We were using the example of the direction the NFL's going. Of um, heavyweight champion of the world used to be a big boxing. Deal. Yeah. No, no, just nobody right. cares. Hockey. Hockey used to be a lot bigger than it is. Well, uh, well it's kind of making a comeback. Tennis was bigger than it is. I remember right. when it was, you know, watching the, that was a prime time. I mean, people would tune in and watch these big tennis tournaments. Now I hear about them, but Maybe I don't know anybody short, watches everything them. was bigger than it is. Just because there's so much entertainment. Yeah. I wonder. Miss America was huge. Right. And now it's just a, it seems like they have it every other month for one thing. <laughs> You're just getting old. <laughs> So they figure out they got them in the swimsuits and high heels, or no, no swimsuits? No, no. no swimsuits. Well, that's ridiculous. I wasn't going to watch anyway. I mean, most women I've known relax in in a bikini and high heels. <laughs> it's just how they, you know, it's just comfortable. Let, let their hair down, so exactly. to speak. Exactly, it's comfortable. That's right for doing housework or. Now, I just relaxing on the weekend. I didn't see any of the, and everybody needs maps like and such as sort of uh, responses, but there was this one uh, intro from uh, Miss Michigan that got a little bit of viral traction. From a state with 84% of the U.S. fresh water, but none for its residents to drink, I am Miss Michigan, Emily Sioma. It, oh, what now? Woo. What's 84 From the state with 84% of America's fresh water, but none for its citizens to yes. drink. Yeah, that, that's a good shot. But is it just is this what it's going to become? Yes. This is the only way they're going to get any traction and become watchable. Is it be, if it becomes really political and vicious? Yes. Because uh, pretty hot women in fairly attractive clothing is just 
I mean, to say it's ubiquitous is... <laughs> well, I'd say one of the reasons it's going to uh, go in that direction is it's tough to make the case that women should stop talking about politics and put on a bikini. <laughs> it's just not a great look. <laughs> the optics are bad. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, a couple of things uh, worthy of only a, a moment or two's consideration, but let's get them uh, out of the way. Uh, first of all, alert listener and frequent correspondent Jashan uh, uh, turned me on to some new research from the University College of London following up on transfusions of blood from younger adults. Ooh, you're into to, this. Oh, are you, I'm beyond into this. He, his, he actually says, Joe, those teenagers you've got locked in your basement, don't let them go. Well, Jashan, there's no plan to, believe me. This wow. young blood shizzle works. You might want to even capture a few more. Oh, well, nobody can confirm that I have imprisoned teenagers you in my basement. You don't need to do. <clears throat> you don't need to do that. It's so horrific. It's hard to go along with the joke. But you don't <laughs> need to do that because young people are so unwise and broke. Well, you could easily, for a thousand bucks, get a young person to volunteer their blood. Well, and their marrow works. So they can donate me a few sure, pints and sure. make some money, and they'll be right as rain in like 48 it'll, hours. It'll cost you more for marrow than blood, though. I don't want their marrow. My point is that, uh, Sean, have, are you totally unfamiliar with the parable of the golden goose? The point is you don't cut the golden goose open and look for its uh, gold egg-laying spleen. You just let it lay. I'll treat my teenage blood force, as I'll call them. They'll have special uniforms. I'll treat them beautifully. But there's a doctor, like in the Santa Cruz area or whatever, that's doing this for some rich people. And there's no, there, at least at the time when we were talking about it, there wasn't a lot of science behind it. Jack, Jack, but now there is Jack. science behind it. Exactly. Scores of startups have been tinkering with this idea. But a leading geneticist at University God, College would, London. If this works. It'll turn the world upside oh, please, down. Oh, please, oh, please, oh, please. I mean, you talk about <laughs> income inequality problems. You have old people with money buying blood from young people. You have just like crazy. Nothing counts so much as blood. That's right, Gene. The, the old <clears throat> draining the young of their blood doesn't bother me at all. <laughs> and Why how would about, it bother how anybody? About people with money draining the blood from people without money. As a way to structure society. That's a way to even out uh, the income inequality. I have money. Now you have some of my money. Everybody wins. You're a little lightheaded, but you've got some of my money. Yeah, will be fine. Here, have some orange juice and a chocolate chip cookie. <laughs> leading geneticists insist the experiments are no joke and are seriously considered by leading physicians to be one of the most promising ventures in modern medicine. Really? Publishing an analysis of data, or do you say data, in the journal Nature... A geneticist, whose name you wouldn't remember anyway, says research shows young blood could allow humans to live a life free of diseases like cancer, dementia, and heart disease, perhaps right up until their deaths. Wow. Seems a little ambitious, a little optimistic to me, but uh, um, they mentioned that Peter Thiel, the uh, the philanthropist, the rich guy, the politically activist uh, dude, um, he's into this. Yeah, it doesn't mean it's... Um, they they were they injected mice et cetera et cetera. But if if there's this much difference in blood from a young person from an old person, I would think that we've got to radically restructure blood donation. Well, uh, why you why you you know why you throwing a whole bunch of different ages bloods together and uh, you know and just treating it all the same? I want the young stuff. Don't give me the old person stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's interesting. I mean, if it helps with all these different health aspects. 
Well, I think you gotta if, really encourage young people and discourage old people from donating blood. Well, if you've been in a terrible car wreck and you just need some blood, I mean, you'll take what you can get. Um, I wonder. Got to pay more for the young stuff. I wonder if the old people blood would like uh, increase my uh, propensity to have some of these diseases. We need to study that, right? Unclean, unclean. Jack, as you know, the younger bloods help slash amyloid protein levels, God, which just... form the toxic clumps in the brains of dementia patients. They decrease them by a fifth. God, you just drive around looking for young people to look down on their luck. I bet he'd give blood for a hundred bucks. Or you go around the bars uh, at night when they're not when they're feeling unwise. Right. <laughs> but uh, again, you can, make... I get a, can I get a pint of your blood for a y- You make bucks? more. It's like donating your spit. Well, sure. You know, chew a piece of gum, you'll have plenty. This uh, this is a win-win. I don't know why you're taking such a dark view. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.